By the way, next door there is citrus, uh, some uh, uh, oranges and uh, grapefruits and tangelos. Uh, we stocked up, so they're, they're there in the, from the Morgans uh, out in Waddell. So help yourself to them, and uh, we'll uh, enjoy, okay? And don't take two or three. Take a bag, okay? So, but no, take what you, you, you will use and enjoy. Um, I know that the orange tree, uh, that all those came off, that, that's it. There's no more oranges on that orange tree, so... Who knows what we get next time, okay? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to get back here in verse 10, 11, and 12 and kind of begin to talk about what's happening here. And again, just in way of reminder, why Paul is talking, verse 10, let's just read the verse. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than it is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And again, just in, remind, just in refreshing our, our thinking about it, why Paul is talking this way with the Corinthians, and it has to do with them questioning his apostleship. When he says, I am the wise master builder, I laid the found, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. I, I, if you come back to Romans 16, Romans 16, I've laid this new foundation here, I've laid, and that foundation, by the way, chapter 3.11, the foundation is Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ in what manner and in, in, in how? Well, Romans 16.25, not to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, the gospel, the message given to the apostle Paul, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. So here's the new way. Here's the new way we're going to preach Jesus Christ today in the age of grace. If you come over to Ephesians 3. So when Paul says, I laid the foundation, and that foundation now is going to be Jesus Christ, but preached according to this new, this revelation of the mystery. So that new foundation now, you know what that demands? That demands new blueprints. It demands new permits pulled. It demands a new crew. It demands newness about it. And it's Jesus Christ in relationship to this new, kept secret since before the foundation of the world, kept secret since the foundation of the world, but now is revealed. In Ephesians 3, um, I don't, I don't know if we looked at these last time or not. I can't remember. Uh, a lot, it's, I was at the Bible conference yesterday, so I taught there, but I had to get ready for today. So I had, last week was a very busy week, like eight messages to get ready for, you know? It's like, but uh, anyway, Ephesians 3, verse 1, notice what Paul does. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me 
to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. See how Paul is connecting the dispensation of the grace of God to the mystery that's now revealed. So he's making this connection, and Paul's connecting the dots here. Now, Jesus Christ is not a mystery. The prophets have talked about him. He walked the earth. But rather, the dispensation of the grace of God is the mystery. And what Paul's doing here is Paul's, we're going to preach Christ. Come back to 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to preach Christ now according to a new way, a different way, a, a, a secret way that's now revealed. And again, Paul is very careful to say, Romans 15, I'm, I didn't build on another man's foundation. I didn't build where Christ was named. He doesn't say Christ preached, he said named. Well, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth belongs to Peter and the guys in the Acts ministry. And we, I know we looked at that. So Paul's very careful to draw a contrast between his new apostleship, this new message, with that of the earthly ministry of Christ, and then with that of, the, uh, of Peter and the little flock. And he's very careful to make those distinctions. So when you come back now into, into chapter 3, um, there's a point that I need to, we need to just touch on, clean up real quick, and we'll talk more about it as in, a, in, a, in, a, in another way, is when he says in the middle of the verse, and another buildeth thereon. Because I, I want to get into the end of the verse of the how, but if you see that thing there about another buildeth thereon, so what has Paul done? Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. The another building on there, you're going to build on your foundation. But then you let others build on that as well as you let others come into your realm of thinking, okay? So what happens is, is you, individually, the person, you, are also on the hook of who you allow into your inner man. You follow that? Okay? The, the best illustration of the... Uh, uh, well, think about the, the Corinthian. Think about you here. You guys come here. You allow me to build on your foundation. Now, as teacher, it's, it's imperative that I'm building what? Gold, silver, precious stone. So, sound doctrine. If I, pre, if I start teaching heresy and wood, hay, and stubble, see, then it's on your job to say, no more. No, stop. I'm not letting that in, see. Okay, And that gets to that spiritual discernment that the Corinthians didn't have. And that's what Paul's going to do. It, 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 come over to 2 Corinthians 11. Just notice, just I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because when we get into the, the building aspect of it, we'll talk more, you'll see more of this. But I didn't want to skip it in the verse, okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, if, if you look there at verse 16, I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. While, a little. That which I speak, I speak is not after the Lord, but as it were foolish, foolishly, in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. 
Now watch. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. For ye suffer. You see that thing about suffer? You're allowing this to happen. And if, they, if the Corinthians had, come over to Galatians 1. If the, if the Corinthians had had the spiritual discernment, they would not have allowed the religious activity, the, the, the legalism to come in. They would have stopped it. They would have said, no, we live under grace, Romans 6.14. We're not under the law. Stop. We, won't, we will not listen to you. We're not hearing you. Okay? Galatians 1, notice verse 8 and 9. These verses get bantied about because of the way they end, and I think they, you, we miss what they're saying. Uh, the end of, uh, let him be accursed. Say, oh, you're cursing people to die today. You know, and well, uh, the word accursed is defined later in chapter 5 as cut off. It's not a cursed going to hell and lake of fire. It's cutting them off. You, what do you do? You don't let them in, see. You cut them, you shut them down. Verse uh, 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preach unto you, let him, who? The preacher, the one doing the teaching, be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any gospel unto you than that ye have received. Now who's the ye? The group. See who's in, let let uh, let him be accursed. Now, just so you see that, come over to chapter five, chapter five, and verse twelve. Well, verse eleven, five eleven. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. If he's preaching circumcision, what what gospel is he preaching? The gospel of the circumcision. He's preaching Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and early Acts. He says, I'm not doing that. Verse 12, I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. So that, that issue of, of accursed is cut off. But in chapter 1, who's on the hook for bad preaching? The preacher. But who is also on the hook for bad preaching? The people, as if they allow it in. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 3, when he says this to them about another buildeth thereon, there's, there's clear evidence. By the way, Romans 16, 17, run back there. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines which ye have learned. And what? Avoid them. See, the doctrines learned. That's, so if, if, if I'm preaching something and it's not doctrines learned, then what are you, what's your responsibility? Shut it down. See. So in today's age, when everybody watches everybody on YouTube and the Internet and they get all the bad doctrine flowing in, see, what that is is literally they are building wood, hay, and stubble on their foundation. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 3 here, that's something that we can't just overlook. Everybody, everybody, we are all ambassadors for Christ. We all have a ministry of reconciliation. So if we're preaching the wrong gospel, what are we building? Wood, hay, and stubble. So we have to 
we're on board. We, ha- we are constantly having to be on guard about what we're doing. Now, verse 10, th- 310. So as we go down through and we look at the building project in 12, 13, 14, that's why it's what sort it is, it's the work and everything. There's a, there is, there's a strong indication for the Corinthians, you guys are allowing the religious groups to build onto your foundation, and one day you're, you're in jeopardy of a loss. And we'll talk about all that as we go. The judgment seat of Christ is what we're going to get into here moving forward. And again, judgment is not a bad thing. It's actually a very good thing. And the most, one, of the, one of the glorious days in your life as a believer, outside of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> is going to be this day. That he, because this day is a day when he is the judge, 1 Corinthians or, uh, chapter 4, if you look, turn, turn to look over there, 4 verse 4, For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. See, when he comes, he's going to clean it all up and take care of it. And the reason for it is in 310 the end of the verse. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Now, there's a warning here. And the warning is not, it isn't building or not building. It's you're building, period. Whether you choose to build or not, you are building. Therefore, it's how are you building. See how that, the end of verse 10 says that? But let every man take heed if he build. Would he build? Did he build? No. How he build. That, that, that indication is, is the issue isn't whether you build or not build. It's rather how are you building? Are you building properly? Are you using the proper building materials? Are you using the best building materials? You see, every believer builds into the realm of their inner man. The question is, is what are you using to build? And again, knowingly doing it or unwittingly knowing it? I mean, I look around the room. We've all come from different backgrounds to this point, see? So you're building back here. It is because you're a believer. You're going to instantly build. Some will say, I just want to enjoy the fact that I'm saved, have eternal life, and I don't really care about that study in that book. You know what they're they're building. See what are they're not building truth. They're building wood, hay, and stubble. You're constantly building. It's not that you're gonna. The Corinthians didn't lose their salvation, justification unto eternal life. Get specific by leaving Paul and going after human wisdom. What did they begin to build on their foundation? Human wisdom, religion, denominationalism and so forth. So what Paul's going to do now is he's going to say, you are building. The question, the issue is, is how are you building? And again, there is no choice. I know people, <laughs> I get emails from time to time, my kid won't study, he won't do this, he won't do that, and then what's going on? Well, is he saved? Yeah, okay, well, then guess what is, what is he? He's building humanism, human wisdom into his inner man. That's just the case. See, so the question that's going to come here now as we go through 
is how are you building? And that's the exhortation. Not whether you're building or not building, because you are. It's how are you building? What are you using? And the believer that abandons the study of God's word rightly divided, again, wittingly or unwittingly, you know, I look around the room, a lot of us didn't, uh, uh, didn't come from a rightly dividing the word background to begin with. We've all come from different components. So unwittingly back there, Paul says it to Timothy, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness and so forth, okay? The bodily exercise, that is a, in that context, he is talking about religion. And he says there's a little benefit in that religious activity there. And you go, how in the world could that be? Well, if you think about it, what are you in religion? Who are you talking about? God. You're usually talking scripture. So there is a little, but who's going to determine the benefit? Not you, not me. The Lord does at this day. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build, see that? Verse 13, every man's work. Isn't that interesting? Build, work. The believer, you can't decide not to build. Now, you can decide not to study. You can decide to say, you know what, I'm saved, I got the, I'm in heaven with the door shut, I, that's all, I'm, that's, I'm good, boom. I, I, I often, I was just in Southern California, I drove down by where I used to live in San Clemente, and it's all changed, obviously, and, and there was a guy that was down around the corner, we had met him on the beach, and we were talking, and he got saved, but he didn't want to give up his pizza and his beer. I, I've told the story before. And you know what? That man saved on the way to heaven. As far as I know, he's never stepped foot in church, never cracked the Bible. So what is he building in then on his foundation? Human wisdom. I want to do my thing. And that's what he told me. He said, I'm not going to church. I'm not going to Bible study. I don't want that. I just want to make sure I'm, getting, I'm in heaven. I go, well, you're in heaven if you believe. <laughs> you're telling me you believe, so you're in heaven but you need to come to some knowledge and some understanding of what the benefit package is. And he's like, he told me, he goes, not going to the lake of fire is benefit enough. And I'm like, okay, well, very good then, I guess, you know. But you can't make them do it. So, again, the believer, is, you are building something. But now let's think about this. You're, you're meet the Lord in the air. That's where this event happens, 1 Thessalonians 4. Is God going to let inferior material into his heavenly places? No. You, you, re, you remember verse 16? Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? You see that? You, what are, you're the temple of God. You're that habitation for divinity. We looked at it. You're building that edifice. He, you go back and you look at Solomon's temple in the Old Testament, there is nothing inferior in that building at all. David laid it in. It's the best of the best. So he's not going to let inferior, inferior material into the heavenly places. So what's he going to do? He's going to stoke the fire, the Word of God, and going to take care of it. But who's doing that? It's God doing it. it, it all you and I can do is say, you know what? I'm not going to build that anymore. I'm going to build this. 
and I'll let God deal with that. What a, oh, what a great day that will be. And then I'll move over here and do this. You see, God isn't going to let us operate for eternity based on inferior material that has been built into our inner man. Thus, verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. God and his justice and his righteousness is going to intentionally eliminate the inferior building material from our inner man. And when, we, when he does that, what are you going to do? You're going to suffer loss. By the way, verse 15 is a great verse. Then, and, and the verse goes on, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The saved there isn't justification to eternal life. The saved there is being saved from what? Inferior material. See, if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're saved, justified on your way to heaven. Eternal life, sorry. See, so then what is he saving me from? In the, from that inferior material being on board for the rest of eternity. You see, he's going to burn it up. I don't know about you, I don't want any inferior stuff around for eternity. I like the good stuff. <laughs> okay? And that's what he, so God, he's going to eliminate the waste of all the human, human wisdom, hum, wisdom of the world, all of that inferior material that we build in, we allow into our inner man, again, knowingly or unknowingly, that's not the question. The question is, it is there. See, the question is not, did you let, you know, did you, you let them put legalism on you? No, I didn't know any better. I know better now. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. See, it isn't, a, it isn't a gotcha moment. It's this is what happened. So when you think about what Paul's doing here is he's warning us. He's warning the Corinthians of the potential loss of what we've built. So the issue here isn't justification, it's what? Sanctification. It's walk. It's life. The moment you're, you trust Christ as your personal Savior, all of your sin and sins are taken care of. They're covered under the blood. Now it's how do I go walk? Ephesians 5, we're to walk as children of the light. We're to walk a certain way. We're to live. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, then that's fine. You go do what you're going to do. But what did you just do? You just built, built a little box of, I don't want to do it. Well, the Lord's going to come in and stoke it, and off he goes. Okay? So when you think about verse 10, build. Verse 12, now if any man build. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon. Obviously, the emphasis is in the building, the edification process. And again, the Corinthians were not properly edified. They, they had abandoned the edification process. What is it that we are building into the realm of our inner man? Now, real quick, 2 Corinthians 5. Because when you think about this, and again, Next week, we're going to get into verse 12 and following. We'll get into the materials, and we'll identify the gold, silver, precious stones, which, by the way, is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. It's the edification. 
will identify wood, hay, and stubble, and uh, yeah, wood, hay, and stubble, and will identify all that of the hum- human wisdom and the human religion and everything. Stubble is a cheap substitute for the real deal. You know, if you think about what stubble is, <laughs> and and the fact that it looks big, and yet all you do is put a match to it, and it's gone. Second Corinthians five verse ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done, notice, in his body, according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So good would be what? Receive a reward. Bad would be suffer loss, burnt up. But the, the, the focus of that is what did he do in his body? Not for his body, not with his body, not by his body, but in. Well, what's in you? Your inner man. What did you put into this body? That's not talking about going and eating a Pizza Hut pizza and, you know, woofing the whole thing down. It's talking about what did you build into this inner man of yours? Come back to Acts 20. Acts chapter 20. This is a theme all through the ministry and the message of the Apostle Paul. Acts 20. In Acts 20, we have the uh, elders of Ephesus meeting with Paul on Miletus, and he's exhorting them. He's leaving them. Verse 32. Exodus 20, I'm sorry, Acts 20, verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Notice, the grace, I commend you to God, and to the word of his grace, which is able to what? Build you up. What's going to build you up? The word of his grace, the dispensation of the grace of God. The sound doctrine, not any doctrine, not Bible doctrine, but sound doctrine, sound word. You realize there's a difference between Bible doctrine and sound doctrine. Noah and the ark is Bible doctrine. The Lord's earthly ministry is Bible doctrine. First, second, the Hebrew epistles is Bible doctrine. What is sound doctrine? Romans to Philemon, the apostle Paul. Now, when we are raptured out, we are taken home, we're gathered together, what happens? Romans to Philemon becomes Bible doctrine, and then Hebrews to Revelation becomes sound doctrine. Why? Because it's sound doctrine for the little flock. See, it just moves. It's all Bible. It's all, that's why in Romans 15, Paul says, the things written aforetime are written for our learning. Why? That we, through patience and comfort, can have some hope. We can see what's going on. So it's not that it, we're eliminating it, but what are we building into it? Wednesday night, we're starting, we're introducing the minor prophets. That's good Bible doctrine. It's good stuff to know. It's uh, it's great stuff to know, actually. It's fantastic. I I put the, on my phone, I have an audio book app, and I have the Bible on it. So I left here, I listened to Hosea, started with Hosea, and I listened all the way through through, uh, Mark by the time I got to California. Okay, I just and just listen, you know, it's good stuff to know. Build it in there. It's not going to be burned away. It's, it's in there, but it's not. What is the sound doctrine? How, what's going to build me up? 
Well, the edification process. That's what's going to do it. How do, how, what is that? Romans 16, 25. It says, my gospel. There's the book of Romans. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to Revelation of the mystery. There's Ephesians. Thessalonians, the doctrine, reproof, correction. There, reproof, Corinthians, correction, Galatians. And we just build it up. Uh, come over to First uh, Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. So the building, the emphasis is on the building. How are you building? If you look at Ephesians, or 1 Timothy 1, verse uh, 3, Paul writing to Timothy says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So if he's got a charge teach no other doctrine, what's beginning to happen at Ephesus? They're teaching other doctrine. They've allowed bad doctrine to come in. Neither, what, well, what would, that, what would the other doctrine be? Verse 4, neither giving heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. So the fables, the storytelling time, doesn't generate edification. It generates what? Really, questions. The genealogies, I went to school, so-and-so school, and I I'm I'm, belong to so-and-so, and our preacher is, you know, the third-generation preacher, and all, you know, the generational thing. You know what it does? It does not lead to edification. It leads to questions. See? What do we do? Verse 5. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. Uh, well, verse the end of verse 4, sorry. Rather than what? Godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. So we're going to godly edify. That's what we're going to do. How, what does that look like? Verse 10, the end of the verse. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Isn't that interesting? The definition of sound doctrine is verse 11 according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which com was committed to my trust. You want the sound doctrine? You're going to go and you're going to study Romans to Philemon, the stuff committed to my trust, to Paul. That's sound doctrine. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now he's writing to Timothy again at the conclusion of it, and he's dealing with the church at Ephesus now in apostasy. Verse 15, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelius and Hermogenes. So Asia, you think about who's in Asia. That's, Colo that's Ephesus, but it's also Colossae and Laodicea and some other little groups that are there. And what are they beginning to do? They're beginning to move away. Okay, verse 13, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. What's the good thing? The sound words, the sound doctrine. By the way, if you look over in chapter 3, after the every, everything's fallen apart, verse 14, 
Paul tells him, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Chapter 4, verse 1, or verse 2, preach the word. What are we preaching? Sound doctrine. Why? Because that's what we're building on our inner man, see. So when you come back, come back to Galatians chapter 2, the emphasis here is building. Grace builds you up. The, 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 the word of his grace, the dispensation of the grace of God, is designed to take you from, from infancy to adulthood and to build into your inner man an edifice of information. A, I, I was going to draw the dude on the board and show it. It's coming in, see. And when that does that, Galatians 2, if you look at verse 18, oops, I'm in 3. 2.18, for if I build again things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Now think about that verse. If I build again the things which I, ha- I destroyed. What did Paul destroy? He destroyed the law. He destroyed circumcision as a religion. He he dealt with, you're in chapter 2, what did he just get done doing in verse 5, 6, 7, and 8, and 9 with Peter and James and John? We're going to the heathen, you sit with the little flock, the circumcision believers, and, and we're good to go. And then what did Peter do? Peter's eating with the Gentiles, the, the religious organization from Jerusalem come down, and then Peter gets up and separates away, and Paul gets right in his face. Why? He knows better. Peter understands that, that, that the, there is now no difference. He understands chapter 3 and verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Peter understands that. He's grasped it. And what does he do? Uh-oh, here comes the church, people. Let's, I can't eat with you guys. I'll be back in a little later. And he moves away. And Paul gets right in it. Why? But look, look go back to 2.18. He says, for if I, what? Build again. You see, there is a possibility to build according to a different system, a different set of blueprints, the law, legalism, performance-based acceptance. You see, you can do that, but what are you gonna, what's going to happen? You're going to suffer a loss. That's inferior building material. So it is possible for a believer today to build into the realm of their understanding, their inner man, doctrine, principles that are scriptural but not dispensational. You can do that. Things that you're in, look at chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, the bewitching hour, that ye would not obey the truth. What happened? They were bewitched. The great witch in Scripture is the witch of Endor. When Saul comes to her and says, raise up Samuel, I need to talk to him. And she goes, "Uh uh-uh, dude, God said don't you mess with the dead. The dead's dead. And he says, do it anyway. You know, he comes in all hidden, and she calls him out. And Samuel, she does, and Samuel, what are you doing talking to me? You're not supposed to be, leave me alone. I was in paradise, man. You don't call me back up here to this rat hole. <laughs> you know, I, anyway, that's, that's RJ's 
reading into it, you know? Bewitched. Don't, you guys have been bewitched that you should not obey the truth. Verse 3, are you so foolish having begun, well, well verse 2, well, I'll keep reading verse 1. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? What, is God, what, does, God, what does Calvary do to the law? Ephesians and Colossians. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a, oh, Ephesians. Ephesians 2. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Ephesians 2.15, even the law of commandments contained an ordinance. What did he do? He broke down, verse 14, the middle wall of partition. He abolished Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of an ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What did he do with the law? He abolished it. He killed it. It's dead. And what did the Galatians do? They raised, they raised up the law that God said was dead. Legalism. And he's like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that. Back in Galatians 3, are you so, verse 3, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? See, what are they doing? They're operating on the flesh. You know why? Because that flesh loves the law. You tell me something to do, and I can go do it, and, man, we're doing good. See? So there is potential to come in and build on your foundation stuff that God has declared to be dead. It's inferior. So then what are we going to do? We're going to go clean it up. He's going to clean it up, burn it off, and leave the, the, the prime there. So, the, by the way, go back there to 1 Timothy 1. We didn't keep reading there. Again, notice the language here again. 1 Timothy 1. Again, verse 3 there, teach no other doctrine. Verse 4. Don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which matters questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Then verse 5, now the end of the commandment is charity and of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain janglings. Vain janglings is when you take your keys and you jingle them in front of the baby. And they, they're, you know, they're mesmerized. That's the jangles, okay? The old tinker on the wagon idea, and he's just clanking away. When we hiked the Grand Canyon, there was a guy coming down the, uh, the, the trail, and he had, a, he had a tin cup on the back of it, and it was clanking, clank, clank, clank. And they're like, you're, you're not going to you know, drink a lot out of that. He goes, oh, no, this is just because my grandfather gave it to me, and when we hiked, he clanked, so now I clank. <laughs> and it was all about the clinking, you know? Verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law. See, that law. Now, is the law scriptural? Yeah. It's just not dispensational. See. It's God's word, it's, and it will always be God's word. 
It's just not God's word rightly divided, see. Verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law. Now watch, understanding neither what they say nor of where they affirm. They're teaching the law. They don't understand the law. They don't understand what they're talking about. And then they don't, the affirm is they don't understand what they're doing to the listener. Remember when we started, I said, you have a responsibility and I have a responsibility. You see, they don't understand that when they come over and they put that law on the listener of, you pick it. You can't, the law says we all have to wear wool. It's 120 outside, dude. By the way, you'll understand now why in that climate the men wore the skirts or the robes, the long flowing things. <laughs> it's hot. They don't understand that the reason that God gave the law to Israel was to make them a peculiar people, to make them stand out, be different, because they're his people, see. They're not getting that. Verse 8, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a... Look at that, right? It's not even made. See, they don't understand what the law is all about. But for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for the sinners, and, and he just goes on, and if there, into verse 10, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Paul says, you know what, guys? Don't get sucked into teaching the law. You don't know anything about it. it is, what you need to be doing is teaching this new message that has declared the law to be dead, and you need to go, don't go back and build the law into your inner man that is inferior information, that's inferior building material. Legalism is a, legalism kills grace at every turn. See, don't do that. But you know what? You can. And God one day, go back to 1 Corinthians 3, because this is the day, future event, what's he going to do? He's going to eliminate it. He's going to burn it up. Corinthians, you know what you're doing? You're building onto your inner man, the edifice of your inner man, inferior material. And you're going to suffer for it. And I'm trying to rescue you. So why, why, the, uh, 310 here, why Paul is warning them? Not, that, not build or not build, but how you build. And again, the issue here is going to be how. Because at the judgment seat of Christ, the work of building, the how, is the focus. Again, 313. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Again, every man's work, how did he build? The day shall declare it. It what? The work. See? The judgment seat of Christ is not an evaluation of you to determine whether you go to heaven or not. That's already been evaluated and determined at Calvary. It's not an evaluation of whether you are going to possess eternal life. 
You possess eternal life because you are in Christ. The evaluation is specific to the work of the believer that is the work that the believer is responsible for in building into the realm of their inner man, the how. You've got a fire because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort. See, every man's work of what sort, not quantity, but quality, the, the material that you use. Was it gold, silver, precious stones, solid material, or was it inferior material? You see, the fire is not testing you. Sorry. It's not a test. It's not a trial. Rather, it's an evaluation that is focused, that, that is come up. It's, a, it's looking at the building material. It's looking at the work, the how, the sort. And again, we, don't be terrified by this day. It's going to be such a glory. Can you? We were, we were camping. We took the kids. They were young. We went up and camped all through Sequoia National, Yosemite, up into the redwoods of Northern California. It took, what, two weeks or so. And about the fifth day of no showering, what did we need? We needed a La Quinta Inn with some laundry mat so we could get some laundry done. And we all needed a good dip in the swimming pool, which we did, and then we went and showered. But you ever do that where you've been a couple days and you, you've been working and you're dirt and you go in and you shower off all that filth? See, that's the judgment seat of Christ. He's just going to put you through the fire. The fire is the word of God. We'll look at all that when we go down through the verses. And he's going to put you through that and he's just going to build away all that filth that you got on you regardless you're building it. When you even again knowingly or unknowingly, it's happening. There's, it's, it, this isn't a judgment against how dare you do that. Why? Rah, rah, rah. No, you did it. <laughs> okay, and it's going to be taken care of. It's the work. I was trying to think about an illustration. I used the camping one there, but in my notes I have the inspector. The inspector comes to the job site. City inspector shows up. He does not evaluate the workers or the company of the workers. What does he evaluate? The work performed. Is the work, he doesn't come in and he doesn't look at the workers to see if they're all credentialed and all, okay? Whose job is that, by the way? That's the master builder. That's the general contractor's job to make sure the company is legit. He comes over. By the way, are you legit in the company? Yeah, you're in Christ. How'd you get into the body? You trusted Christ, died for your sins, was buried and rose again, and the Holy Spirit takes you and baptizes you into one body. A dry baptism puts you right in, a spirit baptism. So when Paul looks at you and he says, okay, he's matched all the qualifications to go now work. The inspector, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes up and says, okay, let's look at his work. He didn't say, let's look at him, the builder, the, the guy. You follow what's going on here? He's not looking at you. He's looking at how did you build. Let's look at the work. 
And you have to remember that the judgment seat of Christ, it's not a test to determine your spiritual worthiness. You're in Christ. That's all done. It's rather a test to determine the worthiness of your work, of the how. The end of the verse, again, the end of verse 15, but he, he, he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Again, that is not talking about justification unto eternal life. God has given us the privilege and the responsibility to build this spiritual edifice individually in us before the judgment seat of Christ comes. Then when it does come, the fire, the Word of God, is going to evaluate the work. And it will determine, it's going to determine the work. Is the work according to the blueprint? If it is, reward. If it's not, it's inferior product material, then we'll burn it away. Yet what? You're still standing there, and you're still going into the heavenly places. If you're building according to wood, hay, and stubble, well, we understand what happens when the forests catch on fire. There's destruction. See? God will, again, God's not going to let you serve him if, you, if your spiritual edifice contains inferior material. It's not, he's not going to allow that to come into his, his temple, his habitation. So, again, in the context here, the saved is not justification. It's the issue of getting rid of the um, inferior material. Okay? Now, go back up to verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. We're going to look at the building material. And we only have like seven minutes left where the hour's up. So we're not going to obviously get very far. But there's an interesting thing here. Whether you want to build or not, you're going to build. And that's, I, I think that's one of the parts that, we get, that gets missed and all of the yakking about the judgment seat of Christ. It doesn't matter whether you say, I'm not going to build, or I'm going to build. You're building. And again, if you, don't, if you choose not to study, that's what you choose. You're just building human viewpoint or whatever on that foundation. But when you do begin to build on the foundation with the proper understanding, You've got gold, silver, and precious stones, okay? Then you've got wood, hay, and stubble. Now, come back with me to the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to give this to us now, and then we'll look at it more when we go down through these verses. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, they're there. You're, gonna, you're, you're going to build on it, Okay? Look at Proverbs um, chapter 16. Proverbs 16 and verse 16. 
Proverbs 16, 16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? You see how gold and wisdom are connected. Silver and understanding are connected. Now come over to chapter 20 of Proverbs. Chapter 20 and verse 15. Chapter 20 and verse 15. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Now what is a ruby? It's a precious stone. Jewels, precious stone. But see how knowledge is connected. Now, if you go back to Proverbs 2, Proverbs 2, and verse 2, Proverbs 2, 2, So that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom, and apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge... And lifted up thy voice for understanding. Do you see how it's all, they're all connected together? Okay? Now, if you think about, go back to 1 Corinthians 3. If you think about the Apostle Paul and who he was as Saul of Tarsus, he was a rabbinical scholar. He understood the Old Testament. He's using gold, silver, precious stones, and, he, and, he, and he's going to use wood, hay, and stubble for a very specific language here. Because what are, what are we building? 1 Corinthians 3.16. We're building the temple of God. In the Old Testament, God's temple, not the tabernacle. The tabernacle was, was, had to be pliable, had to be taken up and down, so it's made out of goat skins and all that, you know, animal skins, beaver, you know, uh, and all of that, okay? Moses had to get it up, get it out. But when Solomon comes in and builds that temple, gold and silver and precious stones are linked together for the very first time. And that's in 1 Chronicles 28 and 1 Chronicles 29. And you see gold and silver and precious stones linked together. Paul then links it over here to you and I as what we're building. The first time that we see Gold, silver, precious stones together is in the building of Solomon's temple, God's house, the habitation. Now, what does he tell you and I as we go through Paul's epistles? Well, look, look, look at Ephesians. Just look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. In the first prayer list that Paul records in the advanced doctrine, verse 16, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, the revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That ye may, what's that word? No. What is the hope of his calling? Notice it's his calling, not your calling. Now you have a calling, but this is about his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance 
in the saints. By the way, it's whose inheritance? It's his inheritance, but who, who is that? That's you and I. So when you come to the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding of God's ultimate plan and purpose called glory, what did you just build into your inner man? Gold, silver, precious stones. So You go back to verse 9 and 10. There's his mystery of his will. It's revealed. When you see what he's doing in the totality in his son, come over to Colossians 1. When you see that, what are you building into your inner man, the realm of your inner man? Those gold, so things that are going to last for eternity. Colossians 1, look at verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's your walk. You come to understand his plan, his wisdom, his knowledge, his, you got all that, and now you go take it and apply it to the details of life. As you go do what? Live, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, and go do the good works that he asked for you and I to do. By the way, you know where the good works start? They start at home marriage, family, job, but right where you live life. There, so what are you doing? You're building gold, silver, precious stones. All right? Now, I do that real briefly. We'll get into it a little deeper starting next week, okay, with verse 12. But it's very fascinating when you go back and see where gold, silver, precious stones are connected together for the first time. It's in the building of Solomon's temple in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. And then Paul brings it and links it to us because what are we building? A temple of God as well. See, Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the look into it, for the study of it, and we can rejoice in it as it builds into our, man, into our inner man your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding. In your name we pray. Amen.